0: If you're ready to get your voice and podcast out into the world, head over to podcastingforcoaches.com to learn more. Welcome to episode 87 of Podcasting for Coaches. As evident by the title of this episode, I have a Pinterest expert on the show today to talk to you about utilizing Pinterest for your podcast and even your business. Jana Osofsky is a marketing expert and Pinterest specialist. She got started working online in 2016 as a virtual assistant and developed a specialization in Pinterest for lead generation. Now she helps online course creators, coaches, service providers, and consultants automate list growth so they can attract a steady stream of targeted leads for their courses and programs and set themselves up for long-term success. And yes, she does that with Pinterest. She's on a mission to spread the word. When you set it up properly, Pinterest can generate targeted leads with a small investment of time each month. In this episode, Jana shares how Pinterest is not just a place for DIY projects, hair inspiration, and recipes, like I thought. Whether or not you need a business account to utilize it for your business, the four pillars of successfully using Pinterest for your business, the first step she recommends service providers take if they think they might want to start utilizing Pinterest, why having a very clear idea of the specific keywords and phrases your target audience is searching for is crucial, and her advice for how to get that clear idea, the five areas of your Pinterest profile where you can add keywords, her tips for creating attention, getting pin images, whether or not audiograms can be used on Pinterest to promote your podcast episodes, her thoughts on an ideal schedule for posting pins on Pinterest, and more. As you can see, it's going to be a jam-packed episode. I have no idea how we got all of this content into such a short conversation, but we did. And before we jump into this, I have a little bit of a disclaimer. The audio on this one, especially on my side, is not so great. This was actually the very last interview that I conducted with Squadcast. This was the interview that made me finally decide to jump ship and switch over to using Clean Feed, which I have talked about before on this show. And being kind of a perfect storm situation, not only did the Squadcast recording fail me, but I actually made a mistake myself. I did not have my sound settings in Audacity correct. And so the local recording that I usually use for these episodes, unfortunately, was awful. That is the audio I ended up having to go with for this episode because it was still better than the Squadcast audio, unfortunately. But you are now going to hear exactly what it sounds like when you have your volume up way too loud and something that we call clipping happens. That's literally where your volume is so loud that your microphone and your program cannot even like register it anymore and your voice becomes distorted. Now, because I have pretty expensive software, I was able to get the audio to the point where it's not quite so painful to listen to, but luckily I actually don't talk too much during this episode And I'm going to use this as a teaching moment so that you know exactly why you should always make sure that your volume settings are perfectly in place before you ever hit record. All right, let's go ahead and get into the interview with Jana. Jana, thank you so much for being on the show today. I am so excited to talk to you about this topic because it is widely ignored in the podcasting (laughs) community and I want to shed some light on it.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk with you about it.
0: Yeah, I I really am too in the sense that I want my audience to have this information, but selfishly, I want it for myself. Ah,
1: yes, perfect. <laughs>
0: so I first heard about Pinterest for podcasting at a podcasting conference last year. Mm. And I had never thought of it before. Like to me, Pinterest is where I go and find like inspiration for a new hairstyle or recipes. Right. So do you mind giving us just a little bit of a breakdown as to why Pinterest can work for a podcast and specifically a podcast that is part of a larger coaching or consulting business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned earlier, I specialize in working with coaches, consultants, course creators, so I definitely understand, you know, where people are coming from when they're when they have a podcast that is specifically to help grow their coaching business. And you're absolutely right. I think Pinterest as a platform in general for people in business is Is still a little bit misunderstood, if you will. People definitely still have the perception that it's more about the DIY and the Mm -hmm. home decor and the recipes and whatnot. I think it's also misunderstood a little bit because a lot of coaches and service providers still think of it as a social media platform like Instagram or Facebook, when in reality it is actually a search and discovery engine. So the great thing for coaches is that especially but is that when someone is on pinterest she's searching already for ideas and inspiration and really information about things that are going to help make her life better or her business better in some way so because of sort of the mindset of the pinterest pinner it really is kind of the perfect platform for someone who's a coach who's really in one way or another you know involved in helping people make their lives better and inspiring people so Sometimes a pinner can be actively searching for a particular solution. And sometimes she's just there for inspiration in general for her life and business. And Pinterest will actually serve up ideas in their algorithm and in her search feeds and her smart feed. And when I say ideas, I really mean pins or the graphics on Pinterest that represent those ideas that are related to the things she searched for before or topics that she pins about. So the fantastic thing about that dynamic is that if you use Pinterest as a business person, as a podcaster, as a coach, strategically, you can actually get discovered by women who are already interested and already searching for solutions to the problems that you help solve and information and inspiration around the topics that you talk about on your show. So that's really sort of, that's the dynamic there that we wanna kind of tap into as Pinterest marketers who have podcasts and who are coaches.
0: Right, and so do you have any information on... The types of things people do generally search for because if there is that misconception that it's just DIY and home decor, are people searching for other things really besides that and we're just not aware of it as business owners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely think that that's the case. We still think of Pinterest for, as a platform for those other things that you mentioned, but more and more... You know, the more people are joining Pinterest, there are three hundred and fifty active users now, and that's growing significantly and very quickly. I remember just a few short years ago when it was two hundred and fifty users and then three hundred, and now it's up to three fifty, and actually I think I heard. So is this three hundred and fifty million? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, sorry. sorry, did I say a thousand? I may have. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's growing quickly and also people are using it for a more of a variety of things for inspiration and ideas. But really the best thing that a listener of your podcast can do in order to figure out whether or not her topic or his topic is something that people are searching for on Pinterest is to actually go into Pinterest, which is something I always recommend, and just do a search. Search for whatever things you think your ideal client, your ideal coaching client, or your ideal podcast listener would be searching for and see what comes up. Examples would be you know, i mean you you gotta know what your people are looking for but right. you know chronic fatigue tips meditating how to write a book resume templates weight loss tips you know you know what you help with and you know what your people want think a little bit about what you think they might be searching for and i always recommend when you're doing this to think make sure you're not you know you're searching for words that they would use not like jargon and really meet them where they're at so for instance I worked recently with an online dating coach and, you know, at first she thought that people might be searching on Pinterest for dating mindset, which is something she helps with, but they're not really. We found that out. They're doing some keyword research, but what they are searching for is things like writing a dating profile, et cetera. And the same thing with, like I worked with a coach, a business coach recently who specializes in messaging and, you know, her people are not searching for improve your messaging, but they are searching for things like write my website about page and how to explain Mm -hmm. what I do for work, things like that. So you can actually jump right into Pinterest and do a search for the things that you think your ideal people might be searching for and really see, see if there are searches, see if there's content there that's being searched.
0: So now when these people come to you, like these two examples here, where they think they know what their people are searching for, and you say Mm -hmm. that, you know, we found out that they really weren't, they were searching for this instead. How can a coach or consultant find that information out if they maybe don't have as clear of an idea as I thought they did?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the process that I help clients with one-to-one and the process that I teach basically starts at the very beginning where you do keyword strategy and then keyword research. So those are the first couple of steps when I'm working on a new account. And the keyword strategy is really what you're talking about, is really getting down to understanding what it is that your people might be searching for. So you can start with a brainstorm and kind of a brain dump of all of those things. You can look at your content, your blog posts, your podcast episodes, and really kind of see what the common themes are and the common things that you help people with, right? What are those problems and what are the solutions that you offer? And make that list. And then you can actually use the search bar in Pinterest to type in those words and related words. And you can actually do your research right there in Pinterest. That's where I recommend that you do your research using the um, guided search and the drop down menu to really just see what's coming up around those topics and around those subjects and record what those things are. So that's sort of a general overview of that beginning part, that keyword strategy. What is your account going to be about? What do you create content about? What do you help with? And then taking that information, those words that you've brainstormed and really Just researching them in Pinterest to actually see what people really are searching for. Because you do want to make sure that when you use keywords in your account, which we can talk about a little bit more as well, that you're using keywords that people really are searching for. Because if you use keywords that people aren't searching for, then no matter how great your content is and your graphics, your pins that represent that content are, you know, people won't find you because they won't be searching for the keywords that you're using.
0: Right. Yeah. So Pinterest does like Google does, where as soon as you start to type in something, it will provide suggested things.
1: It does. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Predictive text is that term.
0: Right. And I don't know why I've never thought about that before, because obviously I use Pinterest, so I know that as a user but I don't think it would have occurred to me to go there to actually pull data.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I have this big smile on my face right now because that's definitely part of the shift that happens when you start thinking about Pinterest for business, for sure, is um, thinking right. about those tools that you, you knew were there all along, but you didn't realize could be used for business. So that's definitely one of them.
0: <laughs> right. So speaking of Pinterest for business, do you have to have an actual business account?
1: Yeah, you really do. Um, you want to have a business account. There are a few different reasons why. But just suffice it to say that you, know, you get access to analytics, which help you understand what you're doing well and being able to lean into that and doing more of what you're doing well to get better results. You also want to be able to um, claim your website and enable what we call rich pins on Pinterest. And you you know you need to have a business account to be able to do those things. And those things, I don't want to bore anyone too much, but they are important. <laughs> for the, they are important both from a credibility perspective and also just to be able to have your pins rank for searches. So yeah, you do. However, one thing that's great to know is it's super easy on Pinterest to actually convert your personal account to a business account. I don't always recommend it to clients, but I often do. And if you have been pinning for some time and the pins that you've created and the boards that you've created on your account are already pretty well aligned with the topics that you create content around in your business, that you podcast about, that you coach on, then it can make sense sometimes to convert your existing personal account to a business account and then if for some reason that's not the case then you can actually just create a new business account and with Pinterest you can actually have multiple accounts it's not like Facebook where you can only have you can only have a business account if you have it sort of like as a sub account under your personal account so that's really the first step actually for a lot of my clients and students is to either make that decision about either converting their personal account to a business account or creating a brand new account. But yes, the answer is you do want to have a business account for sure.
0: Okay. So I want to make sure that we cover two more things here before we wrap up this interview. One is keywords. Sure. Because obviously that's important. Yeah. And then I do want to get to the actual graphics. Sure. So let's go ahead and dive into keywords. What do coaches and consultants need to know about keywords specifically for Pinterest?
1: Yeah, so it is really important just to remember that it is definitely a search engine. And the most common mistake, honestly, that I see coaches and service providers really make with Pinterest is kind of skipping over or glossing over the keywords. I know that they're not the sexy part of Pinterest, but they really are critical. So they they really are the way that your audience, the people who are interested in what you cover on your show and what you help with will discover you on Pinterest. So they're really make or break. It's really important not to skip over the keyword research and the keyword optimization. And then the other thing I would say that you really need to know is that there are five areas of your Pinterest profile where you can add keywords. And you should make sure that you add your keywords once you have determined what they're going to be to those five areas. The first two are your name and your bio. And people skip that a lot. They don't realize you can add keywords to those areas. And then the other three areas are your board titles and your board descriptions and your pin descriptions. So you can actually take the keywords that you've determined you want to rank for and place them strategically in different places in your profile. And it's really important to do that. So I'd say those are like the top two most important things to be aware of when it comes to keywords on Pinterest.
0: Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because I have Pinterest account for this podcast, Pinterest account for another podcast that I have. Yeah. And I literally have just been adding them to the descriptions of the pins.
1: Yeah, and that's an important place to add them, but you're missing out on a lot of other important keyword real estate.
0: Right. And speaking of those descriptions, with these keywords, do you recommend blending them into the description organically or using hashtags and kind of like an Instagram strategy?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. So hashtags are a totally different part of the conversation and they we are using hashtags on Pinterest. I personally, I mean, I do add them to client accounts when I'm creating accounts, but they're not as important as the basic keywords, the regular keywords, if you will. You can add hashtags to pin descriptions. That's the only place where I would suggest adding hashtags. I would not suggest adding them to the other four areas. That's a conversation for another day as far as why (laughs) and (laughs) how and what hashtags to use and how to find your hashtags. But I don't consider hashtags to be like basic foundational Pinterest. I think that they're sort of like a, an additional strategy that you can incorporate, but really only after you've met, you really mastered, you know, the more important foundational pieces of the strategy.
0: Okay. Do they act as keywords or no?
1: They sort of do. Yeah. They do um, behave a little bit differently and people use them a little bit differently on Pinterest, but they essentially, they play a role in the SEO of your Pinterest account. Yes. Okay.
0: So moving on to graphics. Yeah. Yeah. This is a a big deal. Obviously, Pinterest is very heavy with imagery, even more so, I think, than Instagram because Instagram feeds you things one image at a time. And on Pinterest, you're looking at multiple images on one screen at one time. So when people are coming to you who are brand new to Pinterest, what do you tell them as far as creating images that will actually get clicked on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I tend to look at sort of like six or really seven different things that are really important when it comes to your pin images. And for those people who aren't, you know, really, who might be like brand new to Pinterest and haven't even used it as users before, the Pinterest images are kind of like, Pinterest is basically like a visual Google. So when you're looking at the images on Pinterest, some people don't even realize this, but there is a, a link or a URL associated with each image. And if you click on it once and click on it again, you will be brought to that URL. And that's really how we drive traffic. So The very first thing we want to do with the pins that we create, our original content pins that point to our content, to your podcast episodes, to your landing pages, to your, you know, wherever you want to send your traffic, is we need to stop the scroll. To stop the scroll, you want your pins to be eye-catching, and you also want them to be legible and have some compelling copy. That almost seems obvious, but you'd be surprised if you really start looking at it with a more critical eye for business. There are really a lot of pins out there that aren't even legible that you can't read, (laughs) So it's really important to make sure that you're using large fonts and that you're very quickly getting your message across. I like to think of them sort of like billboards on a highway. You know, you're know, you scrolling past really quickly or you're driving past really quickly and your attention is divided, obviously, because you're looking at the road and, <laughs> and whatnot, hopefully, right? Same thing with the Pinterest feed. There's a lot of different pins in that feed. There's a lot of things to look at. You know, you want it to catch your eye on you very quickly before, you know, there's a certain amount of time between when you're approaching that billboard on the highway and when you're passed and it's too late for you to read it, there's only a limited amount of time to get your message across. So you want to make sure that it's legible and it conveys what you want to say. Um, You also want to make sure that there's a nice call to action, whether that is implied or more overt, so that you're letting people know what the next step is to take, you know, what you're going to offer them if they click through. You want to subtly brand your pins as well. You don't want it to draw attention away from the message, but you want it to be there because it lends a certain amount of credibility. And there are some studies that have shown that subtle branding on pins actually increases click rates. Oh, and I missed one of the most important things, of course, which is that you want your pins to be vertical. So typically a three to two ratio, that's what Pinterest wants you to do because that is how their UI or their user interface It's set up for that size to be the best experience for the user. And Pinterest is all about the best experience for the user. So you want to make sure that you're going with, not against that standard, if you will, (laughs) and using those three to two images, which does mean that in most cases that you need to create images specifically with Pinterest as a platform in mind.
0: Right. Now, I know that Instagram stories, I don't know if it's the exact same, but it has kind of a similar vertical sizing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. And I think that um if you're really strategic about what you create for stories and Pinterest pins, you certainly could do some repurposing there for sure. Instagram and Pinterest, though, are so different just in terms of what people respond well to right. and what they want to see and what they're used to seeing. So it probably doesn't make sense to create the exact same graphic for both platforms, but you know, some repurposing in terms of the basic pieces of the graphics or resizing and your uh, design software those were all good tactics for making sure that you know you're you're creating images that are optimal for each platform but that it's not difficult to do it or you're not reinventing the wheel each time right
0: now i know it's become a trend with podcasts especially to create audiograms mm. so it's these little videos where it's like a static image of like either the guest or the podcast artwork and then they overlay some audio on top of that like a little clip from the episode with like a wave bar that just kind of catches attention. Yeah. Would something like that work on Pinterest or is it still really images are key?
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting you asked that. I think, you know, video is starting to gain traction on Pinterest. It's taken a while for the Pinterest community, both users and content creators to really embrace it, but it is starting to gain traction. And there are some specific things that work well with video on Pinterest. So you probably could actually use some of the elements of that audiogram or use that audiogram and drag it into an image that is, you know, that three to two ratio and repurpose that. And I could see that possibly working well, depending on the format that you're using. I could see that maybe being, you know, a pretty doable workflow. But I will say... I really like to bring people's attention to like the four most important foundational pieces of Pinterest and make sure you master those before you start working on anything else. And I'm still considering video pins at this time to be kind of 201, if you will, or a little bit more advanced. Gotcha. So depending on how long it would take you to create those graphics, I'd rather see you create 12 or 15 really great static images that point to your content and spend time on those rather than... You know, creating one video image at this point, but we'll see how video does on Pinterest. I may change my tune on that pretty soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, technology and platforms evolve constantly. So, for
1: sure, for sure.
0: (laughs) So, one last thing that I want to touch on here is a posting schedule. Mm -hmm. Every platform has their, you know, ideal guidelines of like how often you should post and is it the same way with Pinterest? I mean, stuff's being added constantly. Do you really need to post several times a day? Can you post a couple times a week? What do you recommend?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because the framework that I use, I use my four pillars of Pinterest marketing success. And those are the things I want people to pay attention to. We've already covered the first two. One is keywords. The second one is the visuals that convert. And then the third one is consistency. And that's where that pinning schedule comes in. So, While different things work for different accounts and there's never, you know, any cookie cutter answer that's just specific for one person's account or another person's account on Pinterest, generally speaking, it is important to be pinning multiple times per day, to be pinning multiple days per week, ideally every day per week, and also to be pinning anywhere, you know, between like five to 15 pins per day. Now that seems like a lot, but it adds up pretty quickly when you are repurposing content and you're pinning the same pin to different boards, which counts each pin to a different board counts again as another pin. Hmm, And the great thing about Pinterest is that it really can be a very low maintenance platform because you do set this all up um, using a scheduling software, Tailwind, you know, to be kind of trickling out throughout the month. So even though the algorithm rewards you for pinning multiple times per day and at different times per day and multiple pins uh, times per week you can set it all up in a scheduling software and i actually teach a pinterest management workflow that requires about 4 to 6 hours per month of your time in order to maintain and grow your account in a healthy way and about half of that time typically is dedicated to doing that scheduling. But once you've got it scheduled for the month, they'll all trickle out using the software throughout the month. So you don't really have to be pinning all day, every day, because, you know, nobody has time for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. As the meme says. So yes, consistency is important and it is important, you know, to have that workflow and to be pinning what you might perceive as a lot of pins on a regular basis. But there are ways to really make sure that you are systemizing and really automating a lot of it so that you're not actually spending too much time on the strategy.
0: Right. And so out of curiosity, what is your fourth pillar?
1: It's time, actually. And it's really well, very much related to that third pillar, consistency. And I find that for me, and I think everyone is probably like this, when something is easy and when you set up an easy workflow that you clearly understand and it's documented and it's easy, you can be consistent about it. And therefore, you can allow the amount of time or you can commit to it over time, I should say, because Pinterest is not a fast platform. Mm-hmm. I listened to a couple of your episodes recently and you were talking about podcasting being a long game. Yep. Pinterest is a long game as well. So you do need to be on the platform for some time to allow your strategy and your pins and your keywords to really start to gain traction. Let the algorithm show them to the right people, the people who are really interested in the topics that you teach about and that you coach on and that you help with. So you need to be on the platform for some time before you'll start to really see this like snowball effect start to take place with your results and your traffic and your email list growth and you know your your audience growth, et cetera.
0: Well, I honestly kind of love that it is that way because I think that's the only way that a growth of a business or a podcast or anything can be, authentic and sustainable. Yep. So, I think that that equals a real audience.
1: I could not agree more. Um I think one of the reasons I love Pinterest is that it is this platform that can be low maintenance and does contribute to your sustainable business model. I really want to work with people who are going to be in business in 5 years and thriving in 5 years, not just 5 months. Yep. And when they're looking at strategies and tactics that they know are a good investment, but still, but a long game, you know, I know that we're like-minded. So I couldn't couldn't agree with you more. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: Janet, thank you so much. We have thrown a lot of information at the listener, so they might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I hope they're feeling excited Mm. to learn more about Pinterest for their business and their podcast. What resources do you have for them? Where can they learn more information?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, the keyword piece is so important. And I would say that that would be a great place to start for anyone who's looking to start is figuring out your keyword strategy and optimizing your account with those keywords. So I actually, if you go to my website, jannaomedia.com forward slash Pinterest keywords, you can grab a free guide that I have that actually outlines the five areas of your Pinterest profile. So you can grab that free guide that outlines the five areas of your Pinterest profile where you can add your keywords and it gives you kind of like Mad Lib style little phrases and different ways that you can do that to incorporate those keywords in a way that's graceful, where you're not like keyword stuffing, but you're using a lot of those keywords that are going to help connect you to the right people on Pinterest. So again, that's, um, it's jannaomedia.com forward slash Pinterest keywords, and you can grab that free guide.
0: Awesome. Well, we will definitely make sure that we have that in the show notes as well as a few other resources. So thank you so much, Jana, for being here and providing this information to my audience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to do that.
0: Okay, I hope that was not too overwhelming for you. I know it was a lot to think about. I have seen a lot of people in the podcasting space talk about how valuable Pinterest is and how underutilized it is. So I do think there is room here to kind of get in on the ground level, as I say, and get in before a lot of other podcasters have kind of figured out the secret, I guess. So if you are interested in learning more about that, be sure that you do connect with Jana. And before we wrap up, I have a couple of other announcements. The first is that I do currently have a wait list open for my upcoming group podcast launch program, Start a Podcast in Eight Weeks or Less. So if you think you might be interested in joining that program, there are only going to be 10 spots available to make sure that each participant still gets a very high level of one-on-one attention. So they're likely to go fast and anyone on the wait list will actually get one week early access to grab one of those spots before it opens up to the general public. So if you would like to get more information about that program, what it's going to cover, what it's going to be like, how it's going to happen, and of course, join the wait list, just go to podcastingforcoaches.com forward slash start podcasting. Now, if you already have a podcast and you think your audience might benefit from learning about this program and going through it so that they can start one for themselves in their own businesses. I am actually opening this up to affiliates and I have yet to work out all the full details at the time of this recording, but feel free to go to podcastingforcoaches.com and click on the contact button that is right there in my main menu. And let me know if you're interested in being an affiliate and I can give you some details. I do plan to make this as easy as possible for my affiliates by providing them with marketing copy and images and all of those things. And of course, paying very handsomely. So, again, send me a message through that contact form on my website if you are interested. And the very last announcement for this episode is that when I open that group program, when that starts at the beginning of September, I am going to be significantly increasing my one-on-one rates to work with people to help launch their podcast. So if you have been thinking about working with me one-on-one, if you have been thinking lately that you need to finally get around to starting a podcast, you need to stop being so overwhelmed by the process and just have someone tell you exactly what to do and keep you accountable to make sure it actually happens, then definitely go to my website as well where you can find more information by going to the work with me tab right there in the main menu. That will show you a breakdown of the launch packages I currently offer. And of course, give you a link to schedule a no pressure conversation to see if we're a good fit for each other so that you can grab a one-on-one spot before those rates increase very, very soon. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you back here next week where we are going to be diving into utilizing LinkedIn for your podcast. Have a fantastic week. And that wraps up another episode of Podcasting for Coaches. If you'd like to connect with me further, you can do so on Instagram at podcasting for coaches. If you know it's time to finally get serious about starting your podcast, go to PodcastingForCoaches.com and click on the work with me tab in the main menu to learn more about my one-on-one launch consultation packages or my self-paced online course. And I look forward to seeing the podcasts that you create and put out into the world.